good evening welcome back to uh, the podcast uh, of course the last time uh, we met it was face to face on google meet we did an online class and we discussed a very important concept uh, as far as constitutional interpretation is concerned uh, what we are discussing today is also a very uh, interesting and important concept uh but i am not going to go too deep into it it's going to be a uh short recording uh short clip with uh very clear uh emphasis on interpretation and you know uh one thing uh, that i want to make very clear uh, with respect to this particular topic is that i want you guys to contribute as much as possible therefore Uh, what we going to do is i'm going to you know say what i have to say and then i'm going to upload this along with this i'm going to upload a couple of articles on google classrooms uh we're going to go through both the articles uh one article uh, is a little unidimensional in terms of the fact that it uh, is a critique of indian secularism as envisioned under the constitution of india and uh, it kind of goes ahead and outlines the various different crises crises which uh, were faced by secularism in india you know be it uh, indira gandhi's uh, relationship with the fundamentalists in punjab or be it uh, rajiv gandhi's reversal of the shabana judgment or be it the ayodhya issue Uh, it's a critical analysis of all of these events that took place and through them uh, it arrives at the uh, present day situation not present day a little earlier than present day it's not that new an article it was before the uh, narendra modi's government began its second innings so uh, what we are going to see uh towards the end of that particular article is a critique of how the bjp government did not fulfill its promises as regards with the uniform civil code and as regards with article 370 which uh we know was one of the major uh, decisions that was undertaken by the current government during their tenure the second time around. so take a look at this article and you can uh, then take a look at the second article which is uh, more to do with how secularism must be managed in india and it takes the view of uh, you know from the perspective of opening up of hindu religious institutions to uh, persons belonging to all castes and classes and from that perspective it discusses uh, you know couple of approaches to secularism and how those approaches can uh, function uh, either effectively or not uh, that's 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 the crux of this so what i want to do is i want to take a look at both these articles and uh, what is said here and use all of these three to form uh, your own uh, one paragraph reasoning as regards with what specifically 
is the meaning of secularism in india on the basis of article 1 article 2 and this podcast this episode of this podcast that's what i'm looking at so uh, without much ado we talk we start off with today's topic secularism now uh, this concept you know of course is not very unique to india it is a very old concept and what uh, in general what it means is sec- uh, what secularism means something that is uh, you know not connected to any religion or religious affairs uh, it it found its way into primarily the us constitution to begin with you know when they spoke about forbidding the state to establish any religion and this what this did to the us constitution was uh the intention of course was to ensure that there be absolute impartiality of the state with respect to religions but what eventually happened in reality was that this clause began to inhibit every legitimate state activity just because it was connected in some way to religion so state could not indulge in any activity related to any part of religion so every time you know some activity found a religious link this particular provision of the constitution which forbids you know they used a really strong word that they said forbids the state to establish any religion you know this this is what happened and when the constitution of india was being made we observed this and we decided boss we are not going to do this you know because the biggest issue was that if we adopted a hands off policy with respect to religion in india the state cannot step out of its room you know so to say the state will not be able to do anything you know because hands off religions means hands off everything in india so that uh, was kept in mind when the idea of secularism was being uh, you know discussed and drafted all those things so what we did was we uh, which is also probably the reason we did not mention secularism initially when the constitution was being made uh, the makers of the constitutions were very they were not very keen on including this term you know so uh, you know what happens is in india social life is deeply connected to religion you know regardless of which religion we are talking about all all uh, the people in india you know culturally you know not religiously culturally they have a habit of connecting every aspect of their social life to uh, religion and because of this you can't really control any activity in a secular fashion without giving regard to religion or without having some sort of religious affair linked to it you know uh, and what this would have done had we said forbid state to establish any religion was it would have prevented the state from uh, you know regulating the bulk of all state activities uh, that which it now regulates actually many practices on the other hand in india were socially unjust many practices were outdated so 
you know it not only required a hands off policy from religion but actually required the state to be involved in ensure that such unjust and outdated and draconian practices were removed from the religious process the makers of the constitution you know were keenly aware that the constitution would have to be the vessel that took the country towards social change and as an instrument of social change the constitution needed to enter all domains you know even the freedom of religion that was guaranteed was not out of concern for religion solely and unmistakably this right has found its way into the constitution as an aspect of an individual's liberty and only because it is incidental to his well-being not because it is an absolute necessity you know most of the times when we talk about liberty and we compare it with religious liberty religion tends to become a menace to liberty and dignity you know where you know the two don't match religion often acts as the chief curtailer of liberty you know therefore if you observe article 25 was very carefully worded you know one of the most carefully worded provisions of the constitution i have immense respect for whoever did this because the thought that has gone behind drafting this provision is amazing primarily the fact that the provision begins with exceptions you know it 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 doesn't it's like unlike any other provision which says the state will not do that you know but this particular provision begins by saying you know that boss these are the exceptions and the exceptions are innumerable the exceptions include other fundamental rights you know not just health not just you know uh, security not just uh, all these things that are commonly used as uh, exceptional situations but also other fundamental rights the right to freedom of religion is nowhere if it clashes with another fundamental right you know that's the idea therefore if you look at it if we go further you know uh, on in the provision the beauty of the drafting is that it doesn't mention only religion it mentions a freedom of conscience which means this individual is not only getting a freedom of religion but he is also getting through article 25 a freedom from religion if he so wants it so agnostics or atheists they can thrive and prosper you know uh, they have 
in fact there have been so many atheists famous atheists in india and they have had the right to freedom of conscience they have freedom from religion they don't have to subscribe to any religion they can say i don't want religion because the freedom from religion if it doesn't exist will not complete the concept of freedom with respect to religion however you know uh, we, article 25 is not the only provision of course the article 25 i mean fettered by various different uh concepts which have attempted at uh, uh inhibiting religious freedoms now even the second part of article 25 goes on to say that the state can interfere the state can take away freedom of religion the state can say what is a religious affair what is not a religion we have seen in subsequent cases as well take any case for that matter which falls under article 25 every time we have seen that the court determines on the basis of whether your uh, what you are claiming as a religious freedom is a part of uh, is an essential part of that religion or not if it's not an essential part the court has seen fit to throw it out and say you can't do this it falls under an exception so that's that's been the hallmark of article 25 and even the second part if you observe it says throwing open of uh, you know hindu religious institutions persons belong to all castes and communities is also something that has been uh, a highly successful uh, concept that has been introduced but somewhere along the line you know we let's not try to point fingers or let's not try to find fault wherever the fault may be either here or there you know article 26 did not contain any such prohibition what individual right to freedom of religion had been so bound in the name of bringing about social justice was not mentioned at all in article 26 neither did the court read both of them together in fact the court has been of the opinion that every religion can manage its own affairs free from interference of the state state can interfere in terms of article 25 not in terms of article 26 of course all that has you know been under intense scrutiny lately uh, with the sabrimala judgment the whole interpretation has gone has turned topsy turvy now because article 25 has been pulled in to that particular uh, concept as well you know again the 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 idea is the concept that has been uh, accorded uh, you know a place under article 25 is the autogenesis of denominational authority means every religious denomination free it is free practice whatever it wants in terms of religious affairs but of course the state said we reserve the right to regulate your secular affairs it is only the religious affairs that 
we will make sure that you will not have uh, any interference in, by the state and this led to the observed uh, situation that resulted out of Saifuddin you know in the Bombay Prevention of Excommunication Act uh, which was later had to be void you know uh, please go through that case as well pretty important step in the interpretation of article 26 therefore this is the uh, approach that was taken by the supreme court uh, you know and the other theory that exists as regards with this is uh, mentions that the court should go ahead and uh, ensure uh, that there is a difference between truly religious matters and merely superstitious matters. So draw the line somewhere and say we will, uh, you put our foot down when it comes to superstitious matters for the purpose of extending constitutional protection. We will extend constitutional protection only to the real religious issues uh, with respect to which we will allow complete authority to that particular denomination. However, if it's a question of superstition, we will we will bring it down because superstition, uh, this has always been an effort. In fact, you know, uh, so many governments, especially in the state of Karnataka, you know, have promised, uh, you know, pulling down of uh, superstitions uh, uh, and have failed you know uh, they have moved down to public pressure and uh, they haven't been able to do it but then yeah that has always been one of the primary requirements but the disadvantage of this particular approach is that the court is required uh, to become a social reformer you know, the court would have to say oh we will uh, demarcate the line between superstition and religious affair and when it comes with respect to superstition we will reform society by taking away superstition uh, from religion and ensuring that people live a proper and the courts have been doing this you know to a certain extent and you know they somewhere along the line they crossed an invisible barrier when they ruled that women must find entry into you know this is the concept uh, that has uh, led to the uh, this and this concept has been there from the last 50 years it's not a new idea it's not a new theory this theory has always been there it's only just that the supreme court has acted upon it now and said allow women into sabrimala you know but yeah that's that entire judgment probably we should not uh, discuss in an offhand manner like this, this is a lot of uh, important aspects to that judgment as well maybe we should save it for a further discussion some other time but when it comes to the concept of right to freedom of religion and secularism this is the uh, these are the two ideas that exist you know as regards with state interference in religious affairs so, like I said uh, listen to this you know you have already listened to the recording maybe listen again uh, then go back and read the two articles which have been uploaded on Google Classrooms uh, on the Classroom app uh, and then you can give me one paragraph on what you believe secularism truly means under the Indian Constitution.
you know, to be handed in as a Google Classroom assignment for which I would be creating an assignment, you know, along with this lecture, you know, as usual. Uh, let me sign off by uh, wishing you all the best of luck and the best of health in the time to come. Be safe. Bye-bye.